0: as you find your seats if you'll turn with me in your bibles to second samuel chapter nine as we continue our sermon series we're actually in part six uh looking into the life of david one of the most major figures especially in the old testament known as King's da- uh, king david uh we're looking at david a man after god's own heart uh today we're going to be in second samuel uh, chapter nine uh one of my favorite stories in all of scripture I know, Pastor Jake, you say it every week, but really, this is an amazing story, a heartwarming story, a story where let me let me encourage you even as we begin. See if you can find yourself in this story. Now, remember, when God gives us His word, it's real history. and These things happen, and it's true. And they were written at a time for a certain amount of people. Uh, it meant a lot to them. But once you look at Jesus and you see Him and how he sheds his light and grace in this story, it comes alive. And when we really get it, you see yourself in the story. And so as we begin, let me encourage you. Uh, uh, put on those glasses. Say, okay, God, speak to my heart. Uh, where do I fit in uh, to this incredible story? Several years ago, in a church I used to pastor, we had a tradition every Thanksgiving, we would do a Thanksgiving breakfast. It was one of the most favorite things that I think that I, we did. I loved doing it. And specifically we targeted the first responders we knew that there were those on uh, Thanksgiving Day uh, that had to be out working and so why not give them a free breakfast and so uh, we would open up our fellowship hall uh, we would cook uh, and we invite everybody and we really tried to also target those who uh, didn't have a place to go those who on Thanksgiving it, it felt even harder uh, when you realize ah it's a holiday I don't have a place to go so we, we would target those kind of people and always go looking for those who, who maybe need a little extra grace, a little extra love. Someone who you start to know, you know what, I, I don't feel like they have any place to go for lunch. Well, I'll never forget this one year, uh, a couple ladies showed up um, and getting to know uh, them a bit and some other people getting to know them a bit. It was actually a young man came to me, Pastor Jakes, they have nowhere to go our house is full can you take them sure you know a thanksgiving day that's going to be something what an honor it would be so we went over again it was breakfast We said, hey you know we're going to have a lunch at our house and and here's the time that lunch is going to start and we would be honored for you to come uh here's our address can you need any help getting there uh and at the appointed hour they came well not only they come we had the privilege of finding out what their names were and And we had two tables. Uh, We had enough people to fill our dining room table, our kitchen table. It was set up beautifully by Katie. We had all the fistings and ready to go. And at every place setting was a name. So everybody knew when they got their plate where you're gonna go. And we kind of probably organized it in such a way that we would put strategically people in different places. Um, But we also made a name tag uh, for those ladies. Uh, We wrote their name uh, on on the place cards, just like everybody else, and they had a spot. And I wish you could have seen their face when they realized there was a spot for them at the table. More than just a spot, but a place where their name was, a place where they could feel they belonged. It was simple. It was a card with a name and a place setting. And one began to weep just to be at a table with a family and to have a place with her name amazingly she would ask can i take it home (laughs) of course of course uh we would be honored if you would take it home you know showing kindness uh to to a stranger uh when you do that kind of thing uh man do you experience god's grace in your life you're not because you're really doing something that he does so well this morning we're going to look at a story with david david that man after god's own heart and we're going to see that david is a benevolent king he's a kind king and that's what you long for i mean he david's a stud i mean david's a warrior i mean david could take on the giant goliath right it's they sing songs about david that he kills his tens of thousands so let's let's make sure everybody knows this is A strong man, but he's also a shepherd. He also was tending the sheep. I mean, that's awesome. But you know when the when the bears and lions came, he messed them up, he killed them with his bare hands. I mean, that's amazing. And it's David who's saying the Psalms. So many of the Psalms are written by David. If there was ever a Renaissance man, it's David, right? I mean, David is a strong man's man, uh, and yet he's he's got a musical side, he's got an artistic side. Um, he's got a heart. And you know what else he has? Like somebody who is king, uh, who has seen the triumph that God gave him over all of his enemies, but he never lost a touch of being someone who is kind and someone who is benevolent and someone who would show kindness to others. He's going to show kindness to his best friend. His best friend, remember, we preached on this a few weeks ago. What was the name of David's best friend? Jonathan. Jonathan so jonathan's gone he's dead he's been killed and david's going to show uh incredible kindness to one of jonathan's sons i bet you he looks into his sons that son's face and sees his friend mephibosheth interesting name mephibosheth say it with me mephibosheth that's who he's going to show kindness to jonathan and this 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 uh this son of jonathan's mephibosheth he has special needs and so he goes even beyond that. He's got some special needs. He's lame in both of his feet. So what we're going to do today is we look at this incredible chapter in chapter 9 of 2 Samuel uh, 9. We're going to see showing kindness for the sake of another. We're going to show, see restoring what has been lost, providing a place at the king's table, and treating a servant like a son. So will you turn with me to God's word? We're going to be in 2 Samuel Chapter 9 This morning. Uh, We'll read the entire chapter, just 13 verses. What a great story. This is God's holy and errant word. It'll never lead us astray. This is God's word that was written by the Holy Spirit, uh, written for us today. Hear the word of the Lord. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul? remember that was the king who preceded him the king who tried to kill him several times that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake remember Jonathan was Saul's son so David's asking so anyone left that I could show kindness for Jonathan's sake now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba and they called him to David and the king said to him are you Ziba and he said I am your servant and the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He's crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Miker, the Amiel at Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Makar, the son of Amemiel, at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his feet and paid homage. And David said, I love this, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you Kindness. For the sake of your father, Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belong to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's son, that's Mephibosheth, and you, Zeba, and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring him the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. That's a servant with a lot of servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servant so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both of his feet. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for stories like this that, God, it's so vivid of a picture of kindness. And God, in so many ways, we can place ourselves into that story and uh, and to see what is happening. But God, we pray that this is more than just story time in the Bible. That this is transformational time as we talk about the good news of the gospel. And God, it will only be transformative to us if you are the one who speaks and you are the one who teaches. So God, use a broken sinner like me. God, would you give us ears to hear your voice and minds that would understand your word? Oh God, would you give us hearts that would embrace your truth? And would you give us feet that would walk in a manner worthy of your name? Lord, the things that I say that are just my opinion are wrong, may those things fall away and be forgotten quickly. But the things that are said that are true and contain this good news of the gospel, even in Second Samuel 9, would you use those things to make us more like your Son, our Savior Jesus. And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen. So as we read the story, 2 Samuel 9 will tell us a few times. it'll, It'll kind of start and end with the reality that this Mephibosheth has some issues. And he has some issues. He's got some special needs. He was crippled in his feet, it says in verse 3. And in verse 13, it will tell us again that he's lame in both of his feet. But here's the interesting thing. The Bible will actually tell us how he came into that condition. What happened to him? a lot of times we read a story you don't know you just are told the condition but in second samuel 4 4 it tells us the tragedy of mephibosheth's physical challenges and the challenges came on the worst day of his life it was the day of his life that this five-year-old kid would lose his dad his dad would be killed in battle not just his dad he would lose his grandfather and then there would be the haste of getting out of town When there was a a change in regimen because the king was dead his granddad and he would have the daily reminder of the most painful day of his life he would be reminded of a daily reminder of the brokenness that shattered him when he was five just hit pause how many things in your life just remind you over and over again of pain how many things do you have to deal with maybe something you see maybe something in the mirror something around you family member Some hurt in your life I mean just think of Mephibosheth who had to be carried around who's lame in both feet having to remind himself it happened when my father was killed let me let me read to you second Samuel 4 4 Jonathan the son of Saul had a son who was crippled in his feet he was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel and the news was they're dead they were killed and his nurse took him up and fled okay there's haste here right as she fled in her haste he fell and became lame he was dropped his name was Mephibosheth that's his story and now you have that that background of him and here you have David showing kindness for the sake of another it was David who starts off this chapter and says hey is there anybody left In the house of saul i want to show kindness to this to this rival of mine i want to show kindness to this family and specifically i want to show kindness to jonathan my best friend the one who is an amazing friend of mine the one whose love surpassed that of a woman david would say on the kindness can i show kindness to someone for the sake of my friend david and so what the story is is you have david the king and he's going to show kindness to Mephibosheth why for the sake of Jonathan it says it in verse 2 it says it in verse 7 it's a repeated theme I want to love this one because of the love I have for another one now the interesting word kindness uh, we missed the translation if you just read the English I want to show kindness most of the time this word is translated I want to show loving kindness I want to show loyalty I want to show covenant loyalty it's it's uh it's the Hebrew word hesed Uh, this is this is a a word that's filled with meaning so when he's saying hey I want to show kindness it's not like hey I just want to do something kind of good for this guy no no I want to show faithfulness I want to show uh, loyalty covenant faithfulness and I want to make sure that I keep my promise so when you hear that word it kind of points us back to a conversation that David would have with Jonathan, that he would make that promise to Jonathan. I'm gonna pick up 1 Samuel, if we turn back a few pages, 1 Samuel 20, starting in verse 14. Jonathan is speaking, he says this, if I, Jonathan, he's talking to David, now remember, at this time, Jonathan's father, Saul, is king, but Jonathan knows the reality that David's the rightful king, that he's gonna be king, So now you have two best friends, Jonathan and David, talking. And Jonathan says, If I, Jonathan, am still alive when you become king, show me the steadfast love, that's kindness, that's Hesed. Show me the Hesed, the steadfast love of the Lord, that I might not die. And do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever, when the Lord cuts off every one of those enemies of David from the face of the earth. Here's what he's saying. David, you're going to become king. And when you become king, they're going to take out all your rivals. But please, show me loving kindness. Don't wipe out the family. Make sure that you remember our relationship. Um, And if I'm still alive, and sadly he wasn't. And Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, may the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. Skipping down to verse 42. Then Jonathan said to David, go in peace, because you have sworn... Both of us in the name of the Lord saying the Lord shall be between me and you and between my offspring and your offspring forever and he rose and departed and Jonathan went into the city it's so cool you got this promise that David's gonna make to Jonathan saying man with your household I'm always gonna be loyal I'm always gonna be faithful and now you hear David saying hey I'm King I got a little peace going on is there anybody I could show extra love to yeah there's one there's one from Jonathan's household. Oh, I made a promise to him, and I'm going to keep it. I'm going to be faithful. David was a man of his word. David would keep his promises to, to Jonathan. He would show that love, that steadfast love to Mephibosheth. I love the fact that he called him by name. When he saw Mephibosheth... I mean, again, we just read the text, and you probably read right over it, but can you imagine being a lame, crippled man who's coming to see the king, and you represent the kingdom that was just wiped out? You could be considered a rival. This could, the, this could be the lopping off of your head. I mean, you're going to go see the king, and here's the king's coming. You come into his presence, and by the way, you've got to come being carried. And what does David say? He calls him by name, Mephibosheth. Bro, don't fear. I want to do you good. You don't have to worry. I know your name. I know your dad. I loved him. I made a promise to him. And I'm going to come true. I'm going to not only know your name, but I'm I'm going to bless you. You know, it's awesome when you know someone's name that has power and authority. You know, you feel like you're somebody, you know. Hey, they call me by name. They know who I am. You know a lot of people in authority they call you hey you or bud or bro you know they don't want to bother to get to know your name you're not that important but when someone knows your name wow that's amazing you see this story points to something bigger it's god who shows us loving kindness for the sake of another listen this is what god does he shows us loving kindness for the sake of another well who's the other it's his son Jesus that is how the father loves us he loves us through a mediator he loves us for the sake of another for Jesus why because Jesus is the one who has kept covenant for us all the promises that the father has lavished upon his people all the promises is I want to bless you I want to do all this if you will do this I'm going to bless you with that and none of us do it all of us have fallen short then it comes along Jesus jesus the spotless lamb of god jesus the only obedient son jesus keeps all of the promises of the father listen don't miss this jesus lived the life we failed to live god's got to be a holy god god just can't wink at sin god god can't show us love and faithfulness without somebody being obedient and so you have jesus who lived the life we failed to live jesus who died on the cross the death we deserve to die, And God's wrath was poured on him. Why? So his loving kindness could be given to us. And way better than David knowing Mephibosheth. If you're his, he knows your name. He knows your name. He's written it on his hands. He's never going to forget it. He calls you by name. He says, all my sheep, they know my name. And he says, I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus, who resurrected, resurrected from the dead, has given us life and life abundantly. God continually will show his kindness to us for the sake of Jesus. Hit pause. So you're in a bad place. You've messed up. And you wonder, ah, is God going to love me? Ooh, I'm not acting the way I should. So is God going to change his mind about us? Well, if he loved you for the sake of you, he could be up and down as you're up and down. But watch this. If God loves us for the sake of his son, that love is continual. It's constant. It's perfect. It's our God. So yes, you're knuckleheads like me. And yes, you're going to stray like sheep like me. And yes, there are going to be some good days and some bad days. But God's love is eternal, never-ending, always pure, right, and true for the sake of another. That's his son. But there's more than that. Because of what Jesus has done, we're always going to be shown God's love, kindness, and mercy. We will always be receiving God's blessing and grace. Hey, if you're telling yourself that you don't deserve it, stop it. You don't. You don't deserve God's love. You don't deserve God's grace. That's why it's called grace. And God will always love us, see us in another in what Christ Jesus has done. And then there's a restoring of what was lost. It wasn't enough for for David to say, bring him in here. Let's give him a good meal. He's going to say, Mephibosheth, I'm going to restore to you what has been lost. And there's been so much that's been lost in Mephibosheth is there not? There's a the loss of family. He lost his father. He's lost his grandfather. He's lost his health. He was dropped at five, and he's never the same. He lost his status. He went from a grandson of the king, part of the royal family, and now he's a rival to the new king. And he lost his place, his place in the promised land. Now, Again, this is where the Bible can feel a little bit ancient to us. But when God's people entered to the promised land, God was really specific about who was going to get a piece of the promised land. And he wrote down the name specifically. And he says, you're going to have this part and you're going to have this part because what you wanted to have is you wanted a piece of the promised land. You wanted to have your name there. You wanted to have your place there. Scripture gives us great detail that owning a piece of the promised land meant so much for them. And listen, it was so important that God did this thing called Jubilee that I can't unpack fully today. But there's this beautiful thing that that all debts are going to be forgiven and erased. There's going to be a time that you're going to if you fall into debt and your your mortgage is over your head and you can't pay and your things are going bad, you're not going to lose your spot. God's God's got this like etch a sketch do over in history. That every fifty years it's like okay do over, everybody back to their spots because why he never wants you to lose a place in the promised land. I mean that was so important. So here here you have David saying listen you're gonna have a place, you're gonna have a place in the land of promise, and there's more than that. Da- David's gonna graciously restore all the land of Saul his father had owned. Um, really it's his grandfather. And then he's going to say, by the way, there's a land that's going to produce income for you. David tells the servant Ziba, this is a servant, and by the way, he had 15 sons. Can you imagine? That's a football team plus. 20 servants to work the land from Mephibosheth to become servants to Mephibosheth so that he had bread to eat. Now listen, he's always at the table. He doesn't care about bread to eat. He's like, he wants income. Work the land to give him income. So he has a; he's already got a place at the king's table. And by the way, so much more to tell you. Zeba's a snake. Zeba is in a, down the road in God's story. Zeba's going to turn on Mephibosheth. Zeba's going to lie; he's going to slander him, and oh, how slander hurts! And and he's going to try to take some of Mephibosheth's stuff. He's going to turn on one, um, and it's sad. But again, that's that's reading to God's word. But Mephibosheth has provided, David's going to provide care for him and blessing. But you know what's even more beautiful than just that story? It's Jesus. You see, Jesus restores to us all that we've lost. The story of the Bible is a story that humankind has lost so much because of sin and rebellion. Man's sin and rebellion has brought about a curse. And it's a curse on everything. I mean, just three chapters in the Bible, Romans, uh, Genesis 3, we realize our sin and rebellion, the ground is cursed. We're going to realize that, that, that uh, um, uh, Cain and Abel, Cain is going to kill his brother Abel in chapter 4, and he is cursed. I mean, there's this curse. As, as, as far as you can see, there's nothing in this earth that hasn't been cursed by the fall of man. Everything's broken. Everything's not as it should be. Every relationship you have, great marriages, but you know it's a struggle prodigal kid you know it is dealings in business that aren't fair this world is messed up and broken why because of a fall and now that you are working how you working? it's by the sweat of your brow is it not God told you it would be is it easy heck no it's not it's cursed but you know what Jesus came to reverse it Jesus came to hang on the cross Watch this. This, this, this. this is Galatians now. Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, "Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. God himself breaks the curse that we got ourselves into. Only God can do it. He broke the curse by his son living the right life, dying the right death. He broke the curse. And as he broke the curse, he's making all things new. Not only is he restoring what's been lost, he also prepares a place for us in the true promised land. The true promised land of heaven. Jesus came to bridge the gap between heaven and earth. Jesus came to prepare a place for us in the new heavens and the new earth. I love it. He tells his disciples in John chapter 14, hey guys, I'm going, but don't be alarmed because I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would not tell you. But in my father's house, there are many rooms. I got one with your name on it. And when you see your name in that place, you're gonna break down and say, are you kidding me? i got a place here you do he's gone to prepare a place for you because jesus and only jesus restores everything that has been lost and broken jesus and jesus only prepares a place for us in the promised land but there's more here we see david providing a place at the king's table he says it in verse 7, 10, 11, and 13. Is it an important thing to hear it four times in one chapter that Mephibosheth ate at the table. He's at the table. He's got a place. It's his. You know what the place at the table is? It's a sacred spot. It's the most intimate of spots. My favorite place in my house is my dining room table. And when all my kids are gathered around, and this week we have my grandkids, it is the greatest spot because there they are at the table. It's about the most sacred place a family can gather. Isn't it sad? When's the last time you sat down and had a meal with your family? Don't wait till Thanksgiving. But not only is it a sacred place, it's a place that you're in the know. If you have a seat at the table, you know what's going on. You get to you get the scuttle right? You get to hear the rumors. You get to hear, you get, you get to hear it all. And there's the inside spot. And here's Miss Fiboshev. He's he's in the know. Jesus provides us a place at the Father's table. Revelation 19, the last chapter, the last book of the Bible, almost the last chapter, chapter 19, verse 9. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. If you are a born-again Christian, if Jesus is in your heart, you have been invited by God's grace to the marriage supper of the Lamb. These are the words of the Lord. There's a place for you at the table, and your name is there. It's amazing. We, because of Jesus, are invited to a sacred space at God's table. And now we're in the know. I love what Jesus said to his disciples in John 15. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. And he says to his disciples and us, and you are my friends if you do what i command you no longer do i call you servants for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing but i've called you friends for all i've heard from my father i've made known to you there was something blessed to be in the know mephibosheth was in the know and mephibosheth was treated like a son treating a servant like a son remember mephibosheth in verse 6 uh, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, he came, he fell face down in front of David. He paid him homage, and he said to David, you know, I'm your servant. Matter of fact, he says, I'm like a dog. I'm like a dead dog, but I'm yours. Um, but God's going to say something different through David. According to all, uh, my, my, my Lord, the God commands his servant. So Mephibosheth will sit at my table, listen to this, like one of the king's sons. What a great thing! Can you treat anybody better than a son? He is going to be like one of the king's sons. Oh yeah, he's crippled. Oh yeah, he's he's a rival. But Mephibosheth, God bless you, Chuck Green. Pass the potatoes. Mephibosheth, can you hand me the corn? Mephibosheth, how was your day? Mephibosheth, my son. To be treated that way, how can you be shown more grace? He could have been seen as a rival, but God, but David treated him like a son. But we're treated better. Because we're not treated like sons. We're not treated like sons. We are sons. In Christ Jesus, you are a son or a daughter. He's not just pretending to treat you like one. This is the amazing good news of the gospel that we are made sons and daughters and joint heirs in Christ Jesus. Listen to these words in Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, thus a virgin, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons and because you are sons not that i'm treating you like one you are sons god has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying abba father you're no longer a slave but you're a son and if you're a son you're an heir through god amazing isn't that an amazing story such a wonderful story so such love in this story did you see yourself in the story who are you who are you in the story it's amazing we often put ourselves in the hero's shoes. David, I want to be like David. You know, I want I want to be that benevolent. I want to be that loving and kind. But you know who you are in the story? You know who I am? We're Mephibosheth. That's who we are. The fall has affected us too. I mean, it was a literal fall from Mephibosheth. He was dropped. <laughs> Mankind was dropped. When sin entered the picture, the fall of man, sin has crippled all of us. I mean, all of us are dead in our trespasses and sins apart from Christ. And we could say to our great God, just like Mephibosheth said to David, what is your servant that you, our great God, should have regard for a dead dog such as I? How can you love me? I'm crippled with sin. I'm broken. I wander. I forget you love me God has shown loving kindness for the sake of his son to his own God has restored to us all that was lost in sin and brokenness in Jesus Jesus is making all things new revelation 21 5 and he who is seated on the throne said behold I make all things new also he said write this down for these words are trustworthy and true God has provided a place for you and me at the table at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'll never forget that Thanksgiving dinner. Just a response of those ladies to having their name at the table. Kindness shown to a stranger. We should never forget the kindness our God has shown to us for the sake of another, the sake of his Son. And now our lives should be filled with thanksgiving, extending grace to all that we meet, In the name of Jesus, for the sake of another, for the glory of our great God, for the good of our neighbor, let us love him and love our neighbors with gratefulness. Because we're Mephibosheth, and we're his son. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for King David, for the love he would show for the sake of his love for Jonathan to Mephibosheth. It's a great story in and of itself. But God, when we shed the light of the gospel and we realize our place in this story is one who is broken and crippled by sin, and we see the grace of the King of kings and the Lord of lords to not just treat us like sons, but to make us sons and daughters. Oh, amazing grace indeed. Oh God, we thank you for your plan to rescue us. Your plan to reverse the curse that we have brought upon this world and ourselves because of our sin and rebellion. That Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, he would break and reverse that sin, that, that curse. By becoming our sin, by living the life we fail to live, dying the death we deserve to die, and be resurrected so that we could be forgiven and free. It doesn't get better than that. God, thank you for loving us perfectly. For the sake of your son Jesus. And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen.